You know, I just love to worship the Lord. I love lifting praises to His name. And I love being led in worship. I love hearing God's people sing praises to His name. You know, there's, a, there's an event coming up that I want to give you a heads up about. It's not next week, but it's the following week, May 6th. On Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we're going to have a little get-together. And uh, I want you all to come and be a part of it. You come and be a part of it, I'll make fajitas for you. Okay? We'll have fajitas that night, Sunday night. Okay? May 6th, 6 p.m. Write it down, 6 p.m. Okay? And um, basically what, what I wanted to do was... Corey and Crystal Stewart are going to be moving away from us in about a month. And it makes us sad because they've been such a part of our church. But I know that God is going to use them where he is taking them. And we just want to say thank you and just um, love on them a little bit. And um, tell them how much they mean to us. And um, spend some time as the body of Christ loving and sending out. But... I'm going to take care of you. We're going to have some food and fellowship. And, uh, but plan on being here Monday night, or excuse me, Sunday night, May 6th at 6 p.m. And uh, we'll do that together. You know, the last few weeks, uh, even prior to Easter, we've been talking about the spiritual struggle for renewal of the church. The spiritual struggle for, for renewal of the church and we talked about renewing my church. We've talked about renewing our church to ministry. And it matters what you believe. And then uh, we also talked about renewing our walk with God. And, and what that looks like. We've talked about the spirit of renewal. Uh, of, of, of what the Holy Spirit's part is in that. And last week we talked a little bit about renewing our witness. And sharing the gospel with others. And today I, I want to share this with you. That we need to be praying about renew our vision. Our vision. You know, I couldn't see very much, very far. All of you are just kind of a blur without my glasses on. And I'm thankful that I'm able to wear glasses to be able to bring things into focus. And so that my vision is what it needs to be. But I guarantee you there's something special about Jesus' power to see. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 today. And the Greek word that, that is used in this passage for see, for the word see, has something special about it. It means to see with understanding. It, it means to see uh, through something, if you will. To see something in its true condition. And so when Jesus saw people, he saw them as they really were. He saw them as they really were. In Matthew chapter 9, if you have your Bible and would open up to that, we're going to read verse 35 uh, through 38. And this is what uh, the Gospel of Matthew says. It says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease, and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them 
because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I mean, this this passage really pictures how Jesus saw the crowds, how he saw the multitudes. And, And Jesus sets the example for us. He sets the example for us. Notice he's very methodical. It says that he was going village to village. He was going from from these cities to the villages. And he was very methodical in how he was going from one to the next. You know, not to the, the whole world, but to your neighbor. He sets the example for us. But notice also he's reaching the whole person. He's he's addressing, he's he's teaching them, he's preaching, he's proclaiming, he's healing. He's taking care of their needs. And I think that's huge because we're talking about ministry, we're talking about a holistic approach to that. Of of, of not only teaching, but also uh, proclaiming the gospel and also healing. But notice he had compassion for those lost people. Compassion. You know, if the church is to be renewed, we have to see the people around us through the eyes of Jesus. Through his eyes. See, a prayer for renewal is, Lord, renew my vision. Help me to see the need around me. Help me to see the people as you see the people. Help me to see my neighbor, my co-worker, my brother, my sister, my, my parents, my children, the way you see them. Let's pause and just pray for that right now. Let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you for meeting us in this place. We thank you for your indwelling Holy Spirit. And I ask, Father, that even in this moment even today, that you would renew our vision. Father, that we would catch a glimpse, but even beyond that, we would see through the situations. And Father, that we would see the needs of the people around us. Father, I pray that you would do that by your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, for your glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. See, if we're talking about renewing our vision, being able to see, that means that that opening our eyes, we have to be able to open our eyes to see the needs of people around us. Folks, it's easy for us to turn our head the other way. It's easy for us to look the other way when when someone has a great need next to us. But notice Jesus' threefold ministry here. He is expounding the old. He's teaching basically the Old Testament. And he's proclaiming the gospel. And he's healing the diseased. I mean, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, he said he was a traveling medical mission as well as an evangelistic tour. He was doing all of that. All at once. See, if anyone knew the true condition of the people, it was Jesus. Because he could see 
into the heart and discern if a person had faith. You remember in Mark chapter 2, where you have what I like to call the roof crashers? The people who brought the one who was paralyzed to Jesus? They brought him there, and it says that Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus, seeing their faith. So Jesus has the ability to see faith in others. I think that's huge. That's something that we can't always spot out. You know, I I love this because in John 2, it says that Jesus, he knew all men. He knew what was in their heart. See, if if we're going to renew our vision, then we have to see where people are really at. And Jesus saw them in this passage, it says, as sheep without a shepherd. You know, cattle could be left in the field by themselves, but sheep aren't that way. See, it's not that way. They have to be led out into the pasture. They have to be brought back into the fold. They're not going to go out on their own. They're not going to come back on their own without a shepherd. They're timid. They're fearful. When they're left alone or even when they're they're under the care of, of, of the shepherd. You know, they might hear a strange person's voice or, or some noise or whatever, and they'll be frightened. It's not so with other livestock. But the shepherd must constantly watch the sheep and be there for them. And he's always aware that where they are, and they are always aware where he is. I think that's interesting. Because he leads them into new pasture. When it's hot out, he takes them into the shade. When they need water, he takes them to the water and lets them get a drink. See, the shepherd protects also from wolves and bears and sheep thieves and bandits. And if anything happens to the shepherd, the sheep will take off and they'll go astray. They'll scatter. See, this reference in this passage Jesus is referring to the people of Israel. He's referring to them as their sheep without a shepherd. I mean, think about this. They had been conquered. They had been subjugated by other foreign nations. And they had been betrayed by their own priest. And for centuries, they had had no prophet to guide them. Remember the 400 years of silence in between the Old Testament and the New Testament? where we we don't have anything, any of God's word recorded during that period. Then Jesus steps on the scene and all of a sudden he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. The misrule and the persecution had scattered them into foreign lands and even those that were at home had no genuine leadership. Folks, this is important because very soon they would be scattered By the destruction of Jerusalem. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. But look at verse 36 there. He says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. (laughs) You know, when that word compassion is used, most of the time we don't have any idea what it means. I mean, we might even think that uh, people of weakness have compassion on someone else. 
Men especially are guilty of viewing compassion as someone who is weak. What? You can't just stand on your own? You can't do it by yourself? You have compassion on someone? But in truth, in truth, compassion and expressing compassion towards others reveals a strength of character that many people do not possess. Compassion is one of those words, it's a, it's, it's a difficult word, but you see, we live in a compassionless society. For the most part, people don't care what's going on in other people's lives. We're busy, and we're going, and we're doing. They don't possess compassion. But this word compassion, as it's used in the Bible means to be moved inwardly in your internal organs. You know, we, we think about that and, and it refers to the deepest possible feelings. Moved with compassion means you're, you're moved inside. And it kind of has the same idea of our modern expression that we say, from the bottom of my heart. When someone says, from the bottom of my heart, what that means is they feel compassion upon you. They're sensing your situation, where you're at and what's going on in your life. And so they want to help with that. And see, someone has defined compassion as sympathy coupled with a desire to help. I love that. The capacity to share feelings, to enter into the same feelings, to feel the same thing. So compassion is sharing the feelings of others and possessing a desire to help them in their trouble. See, I think as a body, we probably do this better than most. Last December, November, we heard about the need for fresh water in Kenya. We gave of ourselves so that they could have fresh water in Kenya in their moment of need. We had compassion on them because we take a lot for granted. Because we turn the spigot on and water comes out. But there's a village in Kenya today that has fresh water for their village because this church was moved by God with compassion for them. See, I love this because even today, even today, Jesus is moved with compassion towards the people that we minister to. And I would go even further and say, he's moved with compassion even when we're not. Because he sees people as they really are, distressed and dispirited. I mean, they were tired, they were weary with life, they needed spiritual rest. I mean, it, it says there in verse 36, you know, uh, from, because they were distressed and dispirited, and, and, and some versions say they were harassed and thrown down. I mean, that expression comes from a verb to mean to throw or to cast or to hurl. You know, people are thrown down and around by by life circumstances. Have you been tossed around lately? I know I have. 
You know, life sweeps in. It, do, it doesn't always deal you the best hand. But those circumstances there, those life circumstances, people are thrown around by that and they are without leadership and they are need the protection of a shepherd. And I would say that multitudes today have no God. They have no God, they have no faith, they have no love, and they have no home. Sounds familiar. Jesus looked upon them with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Folks, they didn't have hope. But we have the hope. We have the hope in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus saw them as a, as a ripe harvest, if you will. Verse 37. Is the harvest plentiful? <laughs> but everyone I talk to doesn't seem to be receptive. You know? You say, well, I want to go witnessing, Brother Ridge. I, want, I was out there trying to share. And, and, and nobody seems to be open to that. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. I mean, maybe we're fishing in bathtubs and puddles and, you know, potholes. I know I'm mixing his metaphors here with fishing for men and, you know, the, the harvest. But Jesus describes a great number of people that are ready to trust in God. Ready to trust and relatively few workers are willing to share the gospel. Folks, true laborers are few. True, true laborers are few. And, and what we need, what we need in God's kingdom today is laborers. We need laborers. And not many want to do that. See, we have tons of supervisors out on the field. They know how to supervise you and to make sure that you're doing it right. We have more than enough surveyors out in the field. Those that will, that will supervise you and make sure you're, you're doing it right. They want to tell you how to do it. And we have more than enough suspenders out in the field. Those that, that always see the field as almost ready, but not quite. Let's just wait a little bit, and then we'll harvest. But what we need is laborers. We need laborers, worker bees. Not the drones who live off in, in the work of others. We need laborers. We don't need any more wheat lords. We need laborers. People who are actually going to bring in the harvest. But note the timing here that Jesus says. As he uses the, the figure of reaping a harvest. <laughs> it's harvest time. You see, he's talking about reaping a harvest. And in context, he's getting ready to send 12 out. And then a little bit later, he's going to send 70 out. He's, he's picking workers, he's putting workers out into the harvest. And he's already used it once before. If you remember when he was talking to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. He says this in verse 35 and following. He says, do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal. 
So that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you enter into their labor. I love that. He's talking about the harvest that is happening. See, there's always, there is always, always, always someone who is ready for the gospel of hope in Jesus Christ. There is always someone who is ready. And when we open our eyes to the needs of others, we see people spiritually lost and critically hurting because of all types of needs. Every one of us has needs in this life. And we all need those needs met. And in order to adequately fulfill God's purposes, we have to see life in its true condition. Sometimes people say, well, how are you? Oh, we're fine. No, you're not. You're falling apart. Because I am too. I desperately need God. And so do you. And if you deny that, you're fooling yourself. You see, we have to open our hearts to care. It's easy for us to close our hearts off and not put that out there. Because seeing, when we see, it it, it means much more than just being aware of spiritual needs. It means actually responding to those needs. It's not enough to know what someone else's need is. You have to do something. You have to respond to that need. See, that's what the world is waiting to hear. They're waiting to see what what God's people will do in response to the need. Because they'll tell us what their need is. And a lot of times we act like a Pharisee or a Levite and we, we head out and we go somewhere and we keep walking right on by. We don't meet the need. That's what I'm saying. We need to meet the need. Open our hearts to care. See, compassion is a deeply moving frame of mind and attitude, if you will. I mean, it says that he felt compassion for them. And this compassion represents love for someone so deep that we involve ourselves in their lives until that need is met. The parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan It's found in Luke chapter 10. But that's a very good illustration of what Jesus is talking about. Because he stuck with the man who was wounded, who was injured, who was beaten up. He stuck with him and and, and helped him until he was healed. Folks, we need some follow through. We have to open our hearts to care. You know, in a vacation Bible school in, in California... There was, uh, they, you know, they have those, um, about midweek, they have what's called decision week. And they, they present the gospel to, to these children. And um, there was a Hispanic boy there. He, he didn't respond to the invitation, although he wanted to. And later they were asking him about it. He, he, they, they asked him why he didn't respond. And this is what he said. He said, I didn't think you'd want me. And when we hear that, and, 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 and it, 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 
punctures our heart. But I wonder how many other people feel that same way. I didn't know if you'd want me. We have to open our hearts to care. We also need to open our souls to prayer. I mean, there's, there's no true vision without prayer. Jesus said, therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The word beseech means to ask, to beg, to plead, to, to request. I mean, laborers for the harvest are always sent in answer to prayer. But the Holy Spirit, he calls people to special ministries. We need to ask, we need to pray for laborers who minister for needs as well as pray for the people so that their needs will be met. Couple that together. When you're praying for somebody's need, pray for laborers as well. When you're praying that God would supply a need in someone's life, pray that he would send workers as well. Because that's the true need. And we have to open our lives also to go. We have to care. We have to, to go in prayer. and be all, We also have to be willing to go. You see, people need the good shepherd, but where are the under-shepherds? I mean, wasn't that what Jesus called Peter to? When he said, feed my lambs. He said, feed my sheep. He said, take care of my lambs. Be my hands and feet. Do the work that I am calling you to do. I mean, we can help. Each one of us can help as under-shepherds. Men and women called out, set apart to go out and to lead others. To lead his lambs, the young believers, to fresh water and good food. To protect his sheep from the wolves and to feed his sheep through, through discipleship. I mean, if we take a true vision... And that, 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 what we, that means is that we make ourselves available. And really that's what we need. Is we need more people available to do what God is calling us to do. I mean, how do we do this? How do we make ourselves available to God? I'm glad you asked. See, we acknowledge our place in the body of Christ as his servant. Each one of us are to serve him. So we are his servant. We're not here to serve ourselves. To be his servant, to minister to others. And when we open our lives up to touch people with our love and our words and our genuine help, then what we're doing is, is we're making ourselves available to him for his glory and for their good. See, we teach them the word of God and we minister to their total needs. You know, there was one fellow after sharing Christ with others, he told his pastor, he said, I didn't know there were needs like this. It opened my eyes as to why we need to go. I love that. So you may be asking yourself, well, okay, Brother Ridge, how can I respond specifically? If I can mix some more metaphors, it's not rocket surgery. 
I mean, think about this. Respond to the opportunities that you have personally wherever you are. When you hear of a need, maybe God is putting it on your heart. Maybe he put you in the path so that you would help meet that need wherever you are. Whether you're at home and it's a need of a family member. Or maybe you're at work and it's a co-worker. Or maybe you're out in your neighborhood and you hear about something that's a need. See if you can meet it. See if there's something you could do about it. Because it's not okay to sit by idly as needs are being expressed and do nothing. See, we have opportunities to help others. We have to open our eyes and see them. We can be so self-consumed with what I'm doing and my stuff and my family and my work and my this and my that that we totally miss the opportunities that God puts in front of us but he puts them in front of us every single day respond to the opportunities that you have personally even among strangers and i would say this don't wait when you hear the need when you see the need Swing into action. Secondly, I'd say respond to the opportunities your church offers. I mean, think about this. What is discipleship? We have the opportunity. It starts small. It goes deep. And it eventually gets wide. But don't think in terms of big. Because what happens is this. When we say the word discipleship, we say, Oh, it's such a big task. What can I do? God's not asking you to disciple everyone in the world. He's asking you to disciple someone in the world. One-on-one. Spend some time with them. Teach them what you know about God's word and what it means to be obedient to him. Go deep in the lives of a few people and multiply in their lives the character, the heart, the gospel so that they understand it and then let them do it with other people. You know, men on men and women with women. Discipling them in the gospel. That's what it takes. And then as you lead someone to Christ, you lead them one-on-one. And you disciple them one-on-one for a while. But beyond that, you lead them into a small group where they can be with other people. And they grow that way, just like Jesus did with his disciples. So discipleship is laboring in the lives of a few people. And really giving away your life... And the gospel to them. It's very simple. Don't make it bigger than it is. One on one. And one on a few. Lastly I would say this. Don't wait. For a giant step. Many times we think we got to take the whole enchilada. And that's not what Christ is calling us to do. He's saying do what lies at hand. Do what lies closest. Just take that first step, however insignificant, however unseen it might be. Be obedient in that. Now, I've shared this before, and I want to share it again. Several years ago, there was a youth who was invited to youth camp. He was a junior in high school, and he didn't have the money to go to camp. And someone in in our church sponsored him and paid his way to camp. 
And I know I'm not trying to raise money for camp. That's not my purpose here. But he went to camp. And he spent a week with believers in camp. And during one of those worship times in camp, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He was saved. And he went back home and he started witnessing to his family, to his dad, to his mother, to his brothers and sisters. And they noticed such a change in his life. There was 11 people came to know Christ as a result of that one person going to camp. You see, do what lies close at hand. I am so thankful that someone, that God put it on someone's heart... To scholarship that young man to camp. Because 11 people received Christ and were baptized because of that witness. Don't wait for a giant step. Pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out. And really that word send out means, it's a a Greek word, ekbalo. And it means to, to force out, if you will. It's being pushed out. It's being sent out promptly, literally pushed into their work. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would press people into the harvest. Because we only have a short time. We think we've got time. But you know what? Time is that precious commodity. And the only thing we don't know is how much we have. You know, we say, well... I'm a strong individual. You might be. But when God calls you home, you're going home. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't matter what you had for lunch. It doesn't matter. All of those things don't matter. What matters is when he calls you home, you're going home. So we don't know how much time we have. So pray. Pray for the Lord of the harvest. Renew my vision, Lord. Pray, pray that you would send out from here, from Memorial. Pray that you would do that. I mean, this morning, without waiting for response, without waiting for someone else to respond, would you pray with me? Lord, renew my vision. Lord, send people into the harvest. Send workers. Let's pray together. Loving Father, we know... We know that this is according to your will. And Father, our eyes grow dim. And our lives grow weary with the circumstances, with the things of this world. But Father, our prayer today is that you would renew our vision. Father, I pray that you would help us to have compassion on those we come in contact with. Father, that we would do your will, that we wouldn't wait. But Father, that we would be your workers in your harvest. Not sitting back and waiting for for the harvest to come to us. But Father, that we would go out, that we would be sent out into the harvest. Father, that we would be sent out into these neighborhoods. Lord, I'm asking that you would push us out of these four walls of this church, that you, would, that you would move us beyond where we are. God, that you would help us to bring in your harvest. Father, we know that you love us. 
And that you love your people, your creation so very, very much. And Father, your word tells us that you're not willing that any should perish. But Father, that all should come to know you. That they would come to repentance. And Father, in knowing you, that is eternal life. Father, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, from the grave, would raise us. Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit in us. I ask, Father, that as we see the time quickly approaching, when, Lord Jesus, you will return for your bride, I ask, Father, that you would send us out into the harvest. That, Father, you would renew our vision by your power, by your spirit. And, God, that that would be our prayer is that you would renew our vision, that we would see in real time what you are doing in people's lives all around us. And Father, that we would run to help. Father, that we would bring aid, that we would bring assistance, that we would continue to have a heart of compassion, even like Jesus. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for guiding us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.